Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that you have a devil. Abraham is dead. The prophets are dead. You say, if a man keep your saying, you'll never taste of death? Why, are you claiming to be greater than Abraham who was dead? And the prophets are dead? Who do you think you are? God? Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not yet fifty years of age, and you've seen Abraham. Very, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate-level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day, word for word, from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to The unchanging word continues in John chapter 8, beginning at verse 52. Thank you for your presence here with us for this lesson. Here on John chapter 8, verse 52, once again, Jesus is being confronted by the religious authorities concerning his word, to whom he responds with his statement concerning his eternal deity. The Jewish leaders then respond to him with violence, wanting to stone Jesus. Well, Dr. Mitchell directs our hearts and minds to the person of Jesus Christ in this lesson who is worthy of our devotion and worship. So, turn in your Bible to John chapter 8, verse 52, with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. We come to you again, and we're still in the 8th chapter of the Gospel through John. I'm, I'm ever amazed as I read this chapter because you're coming to the climax in the life of our Savior as given to us in this gospel through John. As I said at the very beginning, the heart of this gospel is chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, where the great claims of our Savior are presented to us. For example, in this chapter, and I'm repeating these things for the sake of those of you who have not been listening in, I would like to present to you the fact that our Savior claimed to be the light of the world. Not to follow him means to walk in darkness. To, to follow him means the light of the world, to walk in his presence where there's no darkness at all. And then he claimed to be the great deliverer, the great deliverer from, from death, from sin, from slavery. Then he gave to us, he gave to us the, the ground for that deliverance, 
and that was the cross. When he speaks of the fact, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always the things that please him. Complete submission of the Son of God to the will of his Father, even though it may mean a cross. And the ground for our liberation is his death and resurrection. And then you have this conflict between Christ, Jesus, and the religious leaders of the day. When they claimed that God was their father, and our Lord declared, I know you are Abraham's seed. That is, the, uh, you came down physically through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But if you were the children of Abraham, you would believe me. And when one talks about being a child of Abraham, you remember he's talking about a child of faith. For in Galatians chapter 3, we read, those who are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Abraham is given to us as the sample faith in the Bible. And so those who are of faith, in this sense, are the children of Abraham. And these Jews were glorying in the fact that they were uh, from Abraham and that God was their father. And Jesus is declaring very clearly to them, if God were your father, you'd believe me because I came from him. My father sent me. What I tell you is the truth, but you don't believe the truth. You don't come to me. You're of your father, the devil. And his works you do. And he was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Then he goes on and makes this, the great claim, I'm the sinless one. And their reaction to that was, say we not well unto you that you're a Samaritan and you're demon-possessed. You see, they've come to the place where they must either acknowledge him from God or he's from hell. His messages, his life was absolutely supernatural. And they recognize this, just like they did in chapter 12 of Matthew. He casts out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of the demons. He's from hell. Either Jesus Christ is from heaven or he's from hell. This is, the, this is what they're saying. And Jesus is saying, I'm from heaven. They say, you're from hell. Now let's go on with the passage. He has just said in verse 51, if a man keep my saying, he'll never see death. We were discussing that, that Jesus Christ is the difference between life and death. And just as Moses said to the people of Israel, choose life or death in Deuteronomy. You remember uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30 in verses 15 and 19. They had to make a choice between life and death. It says, brought again to us through the prophets, choosing life or death. Our Savior is doing the same thing here. In verse 24, death. In verse 51, life. Now they say to him, verse 52, Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that you have a devil. Abraham is dead. The prophets are dead. And you say, if a man keep your saying, you'll never taste of death. Why, are you claiming to be greater than Abraham who was dead? And the prophets are dead. Who do you think you are, God? Now this is the, now remember, we're coming right down to the bar right here. Jesus says, I came from heaven. My words are my father's words. The works I do are my father's works. 
which one of you convinceth me of sin? If you keep my saying, you'll never see death. Why? I'm from heaven. I'm from God. And they said, you're from hell. Who do you think you make yourself? God? Abraham is dead. Prophets are dead. Who do you think you are? God? Mark his answer. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom you say is your God. Yet you don't know him. You don't know him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I should be a liar like unto you. But I know him, and I keep his saying. Again, notice all the way through this passage. There's a cleavage between the Jewish leaders and the Savior. They came to be from God. He said, if you're from God, you'd believe me, for I came from God. The words I speak are my Father's words. My miracles, my works are my Father's. I'm from heaven. They said, you're from hell. You make yourself God. You know, my friend, let me tell you this. I have people tell me today, I've had even preachers tell me today that Jesus Christ never claimed to be God. My friend, listen, there was no question in the Jewish mind whom Jesus was claiming to be. Now, we had that in chapter 5, when Jesus said in chapter 5, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. And they said, Who are you making yourself? God? You say that God is your Father? You make yourself equal with God. And Jesus didn't deny it. Jesus didn't deny it. He didn't say to these Jews, pardon me, uh, you misunderstood me. No, no. He said, you're right. You're right. And as my father has the power to raise the dead, that's what I can do. Not only so, but I have, I'm equal with God in authority. I'm equal with God in power. I'm equal with God in nature. And when he came to chapter 6, you remember? He fed the 5,000. He said, I am the bread of life. And the Jews were quite concerned about this. Why? What does he mean, I am the bread of life? What's he claiming to be? I know. We know who Jesus is. We know who your father and mother are. We know who your brothers and sisters are. Who do you think you are? God? He never denied it. All through chapter 6, he said, yes. The life I give is satisfying life. The life I give is everlasting life. The life I give is resurrection life. The life I give is indwelling life. In chapter 7, I'm the one who's going to fulfill the prophecy of Joel, chapter 2. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, I'm the one who's going to send the Holy Spirit to indwell everyone who believes in me. Well, only God can do that. I'm the fulfiller of Joel chapter 2. He's going to send out his Spirit upon all flesh. And then when you come to this chapter 8, after, after forgiving a dear sinful woman, he turns around, I'm the light of the world, and not to follow me. If you don't follow me, if you don't accept me, there's nothing left for you but darkness, impenetrable darkness. And I'm the great deliverer from death and from sin and from slavery. And I'm the sinless one. 
If you keep my saying, you'll never see death. What did they say? You're demon-possessed. And when he said here, it is my father that honoreth me, whom you say he's your God, yet you have never known him, but I know him. And all the way through, you've got this, the same thing. The difference between life and death, between light and darkness, between slavery and freedom, is Jesus Christ. Let's not, let's not uh, be, have any doubt about this. Jesus Christ is claiming to be God manifest in the flesh. Now mark the next verse. See, mark the next verse. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, You're not fifty years of age. And you say you've seen Abraham? Now remember, they had said, Who do you think you are, God? Yes, I'm Abraham's God. I'm the El Shaddai, the Almighty God. And Jesus is claiming this, remember. Did you hear me? Jesus is saying, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not yet 50 years of age, and you've seen Abraham. Very, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. You remember the revelation of God to Abraham is in the book of Genesis, chapter 17, the first verse. Allow me to say a word about that. You remember in chapter 16, Abraham couldn't wait God's, uh, Sarah couldn't wait God's time, neither could Abraham. And the result was Ishmael was born. And 13 years goes by. Thirteen long years, Abraham is, is playing with Ishmael. And by the way, thirteen years without a revelation from God. You'll notice between chapter 16 and 17 of Genesis, there is silence. You've got thirteen silent years. Thirteen years without a revelation from God. Thirteen years without a mention of the altar. Thirteen years, no history. Thirteen years wasted. Thirteen years occupied with the footage of the flesh. What do you think Abraham's doing? When a man 86 years of age gets a boy, what's he going to do? Play with a boy. Like you grandfathers do, play with your grandchildren. He played with Ishmael for 13 years. Silence. At the beginning of chapter 17, God came right on the scene. It was not Abraham seeking God. It was, Ab it was God coming down to Abraham. Abraham is still occupied with Ishmael. And God said to Abraham, Abram, I'm the El Shaddai. I'm the almighty God. I'm the all-sufficient God. I'm going to tell you, Abraham, you're 99 years of age. When you get to be 100 years of age, you're going to have a boy. You're going to call him Isaac. If I were to go into that passage, you remember, in chapter 16, uh, there was no hope for Sarah. There was no hope for Sarah. She's 70, 75 years of age. And Abram is, 80, is 85 years of age, and God said, Abram, they had, they had hopes of Abram, and Ishmael is born, so I was trying to get to you. Now when there's no hope of Abram, he's 99 years of age, and there's no hope for Sarah, God says, I'm going to give you a boy through Sarah. I'm the El Shaddai. I'm the Almighty God. I'm the all-sufficient God. 
That's, that's where you have the Abrahamic covenant, chapter 17 of Genesis. The El Shariah, the Almighty. This is the name, by the way, that, uh, that Job used in the book of Job. He talks about the El Shariah. The word Jehovah was not made known to Abraham until Moses came on the scene. And you find that in the book of Genesis, chapters 3 and chapter 6. Let me just, let me just suggest this for you today, just for a moment. In, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the, saith the Lord, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the El Shaddai, the Almighty. Now you go on down to verse 17. Fear not, I am the first, I am the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the authority of hell and of death. What I'm trying to get to your heart is the connection between verse 8 of Revelation 1 and verse 17 and 18 of Revelation 1. If you go back to the prophet Isaiah, he said, I am the first and I am the last. The El Shaddai, eternal God. Jesus is claiming to be Abraham's God. Now they said, you're not yet 50 years of age. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say, before Abraham was, I was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Now in Exodus chapter 6, God said to Moses, by my name, El Shaddai, was I made known to your fathers, not by my name, Jehovah. They never knew him as Jehovah. They knew him as El Shaddai. And who is Jehovah? The eternal, unchanging God. No beginning, no ending. And when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, there's only one thing left for them to do fall down and worship him. Instead of that, they picked up stones to cast at him. They wanted to stone him. As I've been saying right along, Jesus Christ is either worthy of being worshipped or he ought to be stoned. He's either what he claimed to be or he's an imposter. Jesus claimed to be El Shaddai, Abram's God. Jesus claimed to be the I Am, and by the way, this word, Jehovah, Yahweh, this word, the I am, I am that I am, said he to Moses, Jehovah. This is his eternal name. This is his eternal name, Jehovah. In fact, the word Jehovah was so, was so precious to the Jew that he wouldn't use the word. He called him Adonai. They said his name was too holy to pass the lips of a Jew called him Adonai. I wish we had the reverence for God that those early Jews had. You know, when I think of it, I'm amazed at the patience and long-suffering of God. When I hear men and women on the street, in the homes, and they take his name in vain, 
They use our Savior's name in blasphemy. They use our Lord's name in cursing and bitterness. And God doesn't smite them down. And we Christians, we evangelical Christians who believe the Bible, how glib we are in the usage of his name. He's the El Shaddai. He's the great I am. That's why he could say, I am the water of life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the great I am. Who? Jesus of Nazareth. Friend, the issue is right before us. Either Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is worthy of your worship, of your adoration, your praise, worthy of your trust, or you ought to be taken out and stoned. The issue is you either worship him or you stone him. I'm talking to you very bluntly. Every one of you who listen to me today, either Jesus Christ is worthy not only of your trust, but of your love, of your affection, of your worship, of your devotion. Or you're going to ignore him, you're not going to believe in him, and then there's nothing left. Nothing left but darkness and death and despair. The issue is Jesus. Choose today life or death. If you believe not that I am he, the great El Shaddai, the Jehovah, the eternal God, if you don't believe, you'll die in your sin. If a man keep my saying, he will never see death. Death is a defeated foe. That's why in Revelation 1.18, I am the first and the last. I am he that was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I hold the keys, the authority of death and of hell. Why did Jesus come to deliver you and me? of the bondage of death and of hell. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, and verse, verses that I quote so much to you, our Lord took his place in the human family. Why did he come? That he might deliver us, who through fear of death were all our lifetime subject to bondage. Why did he come into the human race and die and be raised again? That he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil and deliver us who through fear of death were all our lifetime subject to bondage. Oh, what a wonderful thing. What a Savior we have who can take you and me, not only forgive us our sin, not only cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not only deliver us from the bondage of death and hell, but he came to fit you and me, to fit us for the presence of God to clothe us with the garments of righteousness, make us the recipients of life, eternal life, resurrection, satisfying life. Oh, friend, why don't you put your trust in this one who's the sinless one? And yet he was made sin for us. He went to the cross and put away your sins. And let me tell you very frankly, if our Lord had not been sinless, and he couldn't have died for your sin. He couldn't be your savior. It was because he was sinless, the righteous, holy son of God, 
that he went to the cross bearing your sin, bearing my sin, dying your death. He died not only for your sin, but he died for you, and he died for me, that we might not die. And if a man keep my saying, he will never see death. The issue again is Jesus Christ. Not to accept him, not to accept him, means eternal night. But to accept him, to put your trust in Jesus Christ, means eternal life. And he is saying to you now, come unto me. Let him that is a thirst come. Whosoever will, let him come and partake of the water of life freely. The Lord bless you today for his name's sake. Death could not hold him. Now life has a goal. Jesus is coming. We all will be whole. The life that he gives us, so rich and so free, will go on forever, eternally. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.